0: Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Previously on My Own Man Said. villa looking
4: for the killer strike. Second City derby, again, incredible.
2: We're actually in the promotion spots for the first time since we got relegated. Hurrah, it's almost nosebleed territory isn't it? (laughs) Do you feel like now we're in second we're just going to stay there? I think game on as of Saturday, I think Saturday's game against Fulham will be where we really will know if we're going to stick around or not.
0: Johnston... It's the diagonal here, but it's a terrible wall out, Aite's onto it, there's an open goal, and Floyd Aite has scored. A bizarre goal for Aston Villa to concede, but Fulham 2-0 up here, and they can't believe their luck.
2: I mean, I think if you know if you're getting down to sort of six, seven points, just don't know how Wolves are going to react. Now they haven't been under pressure all season. You know, they they came out of the trap so quickly, and no one's really challenged them since the word goes. So it might be that they're just not used to being pressured. We just don't know. It's been a real walk in the park, I think it'll be an an interesting game when they come to Villa Park. Put it that way. I think we'll be bang up for it. Yeah, no, definitely. It'll be almost like a one-off game because I don't think it will matter that much in terms of final places. Yarnason charging
5: through! The Ice Man coming, and it's four for Aston Villa.
0: This is dreamland for Villa. Never would have expected this at all. Oh, the He's getting it again. Anderson's outstretched leg. Green is! <laughs>
3: Well, welcome back to Jednax Jangle. The Pride marches on, but it's been a disturbing time. After chewing down on some dogheads, we were in the shithouse for a couple of weeks after. The Pride's migration to the Premier Lands with their plentiful pastures went drastically off course. The grueling journey has taken its toll and there were weak and lame amongst us. McCormack is lost, presumed dead. Tish Bowler was banished north of the wall to the pits of Scottish football for the shame he brought on us. Gabby has finally been certified as dead as a dodo. Even the vultures won't touch his rotting carcass. Now we must take a godforsaken backwater road where we will need to slaughter two unknown beasts in the jungle's annual end-of-season ritual. The moment has come for the young buck Grealish and Braveheart Snodgrass to fight but most of all, our hopes rest on the Congolese immortal King Samba, for he has once again risen and is crushing skulls of all who oppose us in the last five minutes of games. The ritual is gonna to be tough. There's no doubt about that, mate. There may be casualties along the way, maybe even need a ball tamper. So pray to the god of beards for me, will you?
2: Welcome to the My Manset Man Said Podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of My Manset. Man Said com the show is back apologies and thank you very much for your patience as some of you are aware the uh, the reason why we haven't had a show was that uh, the normal co-host dan rogers just went awol after the blues game just completely disappeared i mean one one conspiracy theory was that uh, after six or seven years of suffering as a villa fan he just decided to uh, you know, take up the new trend which is uh, sweeping the West Midlands of uh, supporting the dogheads of wolves. And when you consider his, uh, for, uh Doing silly voices uh, on this show. Uh, got a bit suspicious when that funny wolves guy, I don't know if you've seen uh, the videos, there was one after the Villa game, which was quite funny. So, one of the theories that that was actually Dan Rogers, and he just defected from the show and became a cult hero amongst the dogheads. So, uh, anyway, just listen to this and drop me a line if you think this is Dan Rogers.
4: Oi! Airboy Be asking. What my thoughts are on the game today, yesterday, for against Aston Villa. Uh, I'll say one word. Fuck your assholes, lots of them. Where right for me to change, and uh, first of all, big massive congratulations to Aston Villa for winning the Champions League final yesterday against Wolves. Oh my Christ, Did you see the way I was parading around the pitch? They were are doing a lap of it, huh? Oh, uh, what a you know, proper watch out. You made yourselves look like a whole bunch of dippies. John Terry got his kids on the pitch walking round, clapping to the fans and wine bridges. Let's not forget about what a fucking scumbag is. You're all about the wolf spending all this money. Aston Villa, I'll John Terry, four million pounds a year. No, but nobody mentioned that, did And Mr. Steve Bruce, what a proper asshole! You're all about Mumo, celebrating too much, running down the line. And Steve Bruce was running the line faster than for kiss me. Yeah, what a proper, what a joke. Aston, Aston Villa, you kiss my wing please. I hope you fuck it up now, arseholes. Whoa,
6: whoa, 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 whoa.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you can't be done. That, that
6: voice sounds awfully familiar. Where are my royalties? You can't, you can't just drop those in, David, without paying me what I'm due.
2: But I don't think we need your permission, because this is, I mean, you just disappeared off the face of the earth.
6: No, no, no. Listen, there are conspiracy <laughs> theories. It just so happens that war has broken out in the Middle East and I should reappear. That is purely coincidental.
2: On a serious note, obviously, uh, the reason why you've uh, been out of action the last uh, few weeks, well, is it, it was like a month or so, isn't it? Is uh, obviously you had a family-related uh, tragedy, which we will respect your privacy uh, at this moment in time. Until Mark
6: Zuckerberg probably releases it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> Probably everybody knows already, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> is it what is it, Cambridge Analytics?
6: Yes, yes, you put up a very compelling and reassuring defence, didn't he, in front of the Congressional Committee? Not. I, I actually haven't read around it. It's
2: one of those things where the first bit of news that comes out is, Zuckerberg, don't trust him, he's a crook. And just the way that Facebook's (laughs) new algorithm has been shafted in my uh, Facebook page, I I say let him hang. (laughs)
6: Yes. You can't hang robots, though, can you?
2: Yeah. I think he's thirded, if there's such a word, the reach of the Mm, Facebook page now. So every time I put out a post to people who actually follow the Facebook page because... They follow it because they want to read uh, what kind of crap we're putting out. Mm. It doesn't actually get to anybody because Facebook want you to pay for it. So uh, let him hang. Let him hang. Anyway, uh, I I did like that dog heads clip, actually. I thought that was quite a funny bit about the uh, the villa doing the lap of honor after they beat wolves uh, (laughs) Mm. and uh, the kids being out on the pitch and everything. But anyway, we've, we've got a lot to catch up on. Mm. Uh, I mean, the last time we spoke, we were going into the Wolves game. Uh, sorry, yes. the, the, Blues the Blues game. game. Yep. And that was a game uh, where the Blues were actually, they got some momentum going. They had a bit of form. So it wasn't a foregone conclusion. Nope. And Villa Villa really turned up to that game. And obviously the prize was if they won, they went into second place. I was actually looking forward to doing that show, <laughs> 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 because it would have been a, a, a rare show of uh, celebration.
6: Yes, we would have, we'd have uncorked the Lambrosco and uh, <laughs> truly, <laughs> truly celebrated, wouldn't we? <laughs> Because
2: um, I mean, me and Chris Bud, me and Chris Bud did a show, but uh, by the time we traipsed around Birmingham, look, because we wanted to do one in the city centre, just because there'd been that thing on social media about all Villa fans coming from Lichfield, so we just wanted to reclaim the <laughs> the city by doing the show uh, from the heart of Birmingham. But by the time we found a bloody place to uh, sit down, which, which was <laughs> conducive, we we kind of lost a bit of our energy and uh, and thunder. But anyway, let's let's crack on into this. So instead of going into a show where we're celebrating getting into second place and potentially marching on to automatic glory uh, we are now uh, a playoff bound team which was confirmed with the win against Leeds mm. so it's now a potential march to Wembley uh, where since we last met I've actually already been uh, I sneaked off there last week to watch the uh, the Mighty Imps as some people will already know I'm actually I was born in Lincoln so I do have a, an affiliation f- for the limp it, the Limps the <laughs> Limps <laughs> That's, <laughs> two, two two seasons ago they were the limps. <laughs> I went to uh, an away game at Whitehawk which is uh, it's kind of the rough area of Brighton uh, no no offense to anybody who lives there. And uh, Lincoln played them in the FA Cup and it was a bizarre game uh, Whitehawk won 6-4. And they were like a couple of non-leagues below Lincoln, who were in uh, you know the the non-league uh, yeah, conference. Yeah. And uh, they were always ahead. And Whitehawk are quite known for having this ultra group, so there was, there was like flares going on the pitch every time they scored, and there was a guy dressed up as a lobster. It was this crazy game. And behind in the Lincoln end there was only about 40, 50 of us. And I think they were five three up, and we just scored, so it was five four. So we thought, come on, we're gonna you know we're gonna mm-hmm. get this back. And the ref gave a penalty with, like, a couple of minutes to go. And one of the Lincoln fans was so pissed off about the penalty decision. There was a big black dustbin. He picked (laughs) up this dustbin, walked onto the pitch with it, and turned it upside down on the penalty spot and emptied all the rubbish on on the penalty spot. It was fucking brilliant. (laughs) But that, that <laughs> summed up the limps as they were <laughs> the as they were then known. But then Danny Cowley comes along and within two mm. seasons has, has absolutely transformed a club. I mean even in the heyday like I remember in the 80s when we had a really good team that should have been in uh, what is now the championship uh, we you know we beat Spurs, we beat West Ham in the cups. And uh, we were still only getting like two, two, three thousand fans, uh, sorry gates. And now they've got like eight to nine thousand season ticket holders. They're getting nine thousand a game. It's it's just this whole it's this fusion of management, players, and uh, the whole city because the the management went around the city, going to schools, going into you know factories, and then inviting fans to come to all the training, having open training all the time. And everybody's really got into it. And I'm just going to play a clip because he uh, he talks about. I mean, this is after the game when. And they won uh, the Chick-A-Trade Trophy. And he's talking about the fans and how... I mean, there was five minutes to go in Shrewsbury, who all through the game, <laughs> Shrewsbury, just from the first five minutes, they they just looked, they looked a foot, foot taller and a yard faster. And you just think, oh, how are we going to get through this? But these guys are tactical geniuses, uh, Danny and Nicky Cowley, they're, they're brothers, obviously. And uh, with five minutes to go, they were obviously getting a bit leggy, the players, because they'd been running their asses off. And just five minutes ago it was just this weird thing where the fans just sensed the players were flagging and 27,000 fans all stood up at the same time in like some kind of of, some kind of yeah exactly (laughs) in like an act act of defiance to basically say fuck off Shrewsbury you you know you're not going to win this and obviously to you know give the players a lift and I was thought, this is, you know, this, this needs to be done in midweek when Villa are playing bloody QPR and Leeds. Oh, yes, but Anyway, I'll just, just play this clip because he talks about Premier League uh, fans.
7: A football club's a football club, isn't it? If we say it as it is, a football club is bricks and mortar. Yeah, so every football club has bricks and mortar, but it's the people that, that, that make the football club. And it's always, it's always the people. And the people define where the football club can go. And at the moment... We as a football club are defining on where it can go by the the, the, the number of support. And, the, and it's not just the number of support, it's the way they support. And and I've said this in the interviews off the back of Saturday, and I really mean this, like it's a, on the back of Sunday side. There's a real difference between, like, you see these people in the Premier League, just spectators who just who go to games and don't contribute. They just sit there, they just expect to be. For the players to perform, and they just expect to be um, to enjoy the the, the event and don't really play any part in it. And the only time they play a part in it if the if the performance is not as good as they they anticipate it to be, and then they moan and criticise it. And our supporters, they're part of the performance, and I think that that is where we're quite unique. unique. I think it is, and I think I think as 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 a consequence of all of that, then you know we have lots and lots of potential.
2: I think he's spot on what he says there about, I mean, and I would class Villa fans that say we are Premier League fans. And there is a bit mm. of that, and especially in midweek where, is that that QPR game especially when we'd just beaten Wolves? And I mean, to be honest, a bit OTT, like some of the in-house media were saying Villa are back yeah, yeah. and the local press are saying Villa are back. So going into that game, the players are potentially believing their own hype, but we'll get into it anyway where you should have freshened the team up. But also the fans just, it was so... Flat against QPR. Yeah. Yeah. Fans say, oh, well, well, you know, wait for the players. The players have got to produce something to get the fans going. Well, you know, as Cowley just said then, it's not necessarily the case. You're all part of one thing. And if one, one unit and if one side isn't doing their job, it's up to the fans to obviously get them going. Because it's not villa centric as an issue. It's like all home fans, especially the higher up, let's just to say the top two divisions all suffer from this. Anyway, coming up on the show, uh, we'll catch up. And see what happened last time uh, we spoke, which, as I, we've just said, was when we broke into the top two for the first time since we got relegated from the Premier League. Also, we'll question Villa's mentality over the past few weeks. Has it been on point? We'll go through the three points. We'll end the show with uh, a quick Q&A of some of the questions that are still kicking around uh, since we last uh, spoke, which are still relevant to uh, where we are at the moment. But anyway, let's just let's get on with it and let's go for the three points. Uh, First of all, Villa's pitch. Mm. Point number one. So the story is here, and this is public knowledge. Something isn't public knowledge, which I'll say uh, at the end. Last season, Villa's pitch was in its 11th year. It, it's a 10-year pitch. These, it really needed to be relayed, and uh, the CEO actually Keith Wyners ordered it to be relayed last summer. But the pitch won Championship Pitch of the Year last year, so, you know, we got a bit lucky there. We got an extra year out of a, a 10 year pitch.
6: It's been looking raggedy this season, hasn't it, at times, particularly post the turn of the year?
2: It was going to be relayed. Uh Last summer, gone. But old Dr Tony was in town and he basically said, well, uh, if it's one championship pitch of the year, why are we relaying it? You know, surely it's good enough for another year. Uh, uh. Chairman that uh, maybe should let footballing people get on with yeah. footballing decisions. Yeah, and the, decisions, the but, do the groundsmen uh, do. Yeah. Yeah, But, you know, we weren't going to say anything yeah. out loud about that. I mentioned turf
6: uh, management. S- uh, where's your turf management yeah. degree? Yet, yeah.
2: Where's, yeah, Tony, where's your turf management degree? In fact, where, where, where are any of your degrees?
6: <laughs> <laughs> this one from Harvard Maybe. seems like you've printed it out. Oh No, oh. no, no, no,
2: I no, think no, no, the Har- no, 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 no. I think the Harvard one is the honorary turf management.
6: Degree. Oh, well, he knows then, so we could definitely get an eleventh yeah. year out of this pitch. Or
2: so we thought until Christmas, where uh, it cut up comp- so badly. I, I, I went to uh, went to the Peterborough game. And uh, I was I was there with my sister and her boyfriend because she had two kids over from Chernobyl, like over for Christmas. It's like this scheme where you have these kids over for two weeks to help boost their immune system and you know show them a bit of love over Christmas. So mm. on their penultimate, just so to show them some love, we took them to <laughs> yeah, Villa to the Park. <laughs> <laughs> took them to Villa Park against the posh. <clears throat> yep. uh, it was actually their last last day. Uh, and at the very last minute, uh, Villa kindly, because I said, "Oh, is there any, you know anything we can do for the kids?" Blah blah, blah. and and very kindly they uh, gave us a tour around, and uh, we went in the dressing room, at, uh, the management office. Steve Bruce gave the kids uh, a shirt and uh, you know photos, blah blah blah. But anyway, we, we you know we were walking around the pitch, uh, having a chat. With uh, people at work at Villa, and you know, showing the kids around while the players were warming up, and Tommy Elphick uh, shouted over to one of the guys that was with us, uh, "This pitch is fucking shit." (laughs) (laughs) So, what's wrong with it? As he was being (laughs) carried out to Reading,
5: (laughs) no, shut him up, shut him up.
2: You didn't so hear? You thinking, well, the players know it's crap, and then uh, obviously fast forwards, uh, and then obviously Steve Bruce started to use it as an excuse. Uh, I think particularly after the Preston game, uh, yes. where he said he had to, the pitch was cutting up so bad, he had to change tactics at halftime because uh, mm. that's why we're playing so crap. Which uh, I don't really buy. So uh, we're going to get a new pitch uh, this summer, which is kind of unfortunate timing because uh, Inter Milan actually uh, approached Villa earlier on in this year to, to see if they could. R- ranger uh, friendly in the summer at Villa Park so, uh, unfortunately, because we got a bit of a connection there, we had two classic UEFA Cup mm-hmm. uh, games in the early 90s against them, uh, and uh, we played recently a friendly, didn't we? Uh, well, when I say recently, a, f- a few years ago.
6: It was the, was the year when Boomer broke his leg and ankle, wasn't it, in the, the yeah. pre game in But, I mean, that would have been a bit of a better, better uh, pre-season friendly than Middlesbrough or it was Watford, wasn't it? I Watford, think? yeah. Mm. But, so, that's a shame. But,
2: hopefully, that's a friendly they can arrange in a pre-season uh, in the next couple of years, because always... A, bit of a classic anyway point number two uh getting around financial fair play <laughs> which has obviously been a big thing uh lots of fingers being pointed at wolves uh, even the, the premier league clubs now are saying we need yes. to have a meeting with these wolverhamptons and their uh portuguese mendez men mm, it's all uh, hotting up
6: nicely actually i quite enjoy these sorts up. of things
2: well so do i but there's two factors here about this wolf situation one is have the uh, English Football League and the Premier League got the balls mm. to upset the status quo mm. and make some real big calls here. B, if they did, and they're saying, right, no promotion for you, sods law, yeah. Villa will finish fourth and uh, <laughs> Cardiff and Fulham will go up as the automatics.
6: <laughs> yeah, that would be typical. <laughs> and that,
2: that would, would be, be so, tiring. so typical. That would be Villa, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would <laughs> It would become a complete <laughs> irrelevance, uh, whatever Wolves were doing. If you're talking in principles, if Wolves have found a way to, let's say, through creative accounting to bypass it, then if the letter of the law hasn't been affected, then you have to say fair play because you've you've beaten the system, I suppose. Yeah. You can't really have any uh, grudges against it because all the other clubs are now having a look and saying well you know can we do what they've done yeah that's I mean, basically that's, what
6: the issue is is damn it
2: yeah, damn basically it. that's why the other clubs have got a problem with this uh, t- in terms of what Villa have done is obviously the name they've taken the naming rights mm. uh, body uh, Heath naming rights as a way of injecting some money into the club I think they would have done it a, a season earlier but I think this is half of the reason they're doing it now is just in case we do stay in the championship because obviously we'll be in a situation where parachute payments are on the third and final payment and that's actually a very small you know it's a much smaller yeah, percentage by comparison
6: isn't
2: it yeah by comparison the first two so this is one way of uh making sure we're not going to have a sticky uh third season in the championship mm-hmm. if it comes to that but also it could be the start of uh, potential because i think it's as long as the amount is what a third party would pay Hmm. Then I think it's all you know. It's all legit in the eyes of uh, financial fair play. I mean, when you look at uh, what PS, PSG have done, buy a Neymar for like two hundred million, and and that loan to buy deal with Monaco for is it Mbappé, which yeah. is like one hundred and sixty-seven million. I mean, if they can get around financial fair play, then uh I mean, anybody that's half can. what
6: we half what we paid for Scott Hogan. I understand. So I mean. we... <laughs> <laughs> we're treading a fine line is what I'm saying.
2: they're accused what was the term it's financial <laughs> doping
6: yes great
2: phrase I mean if you can't beat them it's you know just join them I think uh, yes in this situation because it, football's never going to be fair anymore they, they're going to nobody's going to sit down and say, oh, all right, we need to have wage caps, squad wage yeah. caps in the Premier League and all this kind of stuff to kind of try to level it out a little bit.
6: And I think now it's no different to how it ever was, really. It's just scale is, I mean, when you like 167 million is the example we've just given. Yeah. For one player is, it's just bonkers, isn't it? I think that's, what, most, that's the change in football.
2: Yeah, because Neymar, it's, I mean, a lot of fans don't kind of realise this is they're not paying 200 million for the ability of the player no. It's all about a. I mean, Neymar gave PHG some legitimacy in terms of being a big club, and it's mm, purely about mm. marketing and selling mm. shirts and was expanding their their international kind of branding, mm. which what what it was really all about. Yep. I mean, the other thing Villa are doing. I don't know. Maybe this will help in terms of financial play. And there was a. I mean, since we last spoke, there was there was a fan consultation group meeting, and one of the things that uh, the CEO Keith Wyness talked about was this link up with uh, Bay. The uh the Danish club just I think it's just south of Copenhagen, they get gates of around five thousand and this idea that we would send our youth players there and vice versa and mm-hmm. you know, it'd be like a breeding ground, uh well a blooding ground should I say for our youth <laughs> players to get a breeding ground. <laughs> <laughs> Careful <man. laughs> Where where they you know they can blood players uh in, you know, proper games against men. <laughs> But also, at the same time, he said there's another European club that Villa are looking into. I mean, they're, they're, apparently the first meeting with uh, Limby was very positive, you know, good football people on the same mm-hmm. page, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I mean, as they would normally say in, uh, when talking about these things. But also uh, Weiner said there's another European club that uh, Villa look like they're close to linking up to as well. So I think Birmingham City? I think that's the one, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's a new, new feeder club and mm. I think we're going to merge and play in the Commonwealth Stadium when it's uh, extend was it Alexander?
6: Oh yes, yes. When it's, They're going to
2: extend extend that, and that will become the new uh, the new stadium for
6: both our clubs when they combine them. We're playing a half Claret and blue, half blue and white kit, and all hold hands in the centre <laughs> yeah,
2: circle. That's fake news kids That's (laughs) fake news So maybe at the end of the season uh, There'll be two announcements In terms of uh, I don't want to call them Feeder clubs But I think that's essentially What they are at this moment The third bit of news Just when you think That safe standing Is going to happen And it was Mm. uh, an eventuality Within the next Well the next season Actually a lot of people who Have been pushing the campaign expected it to uh, Kick off uh, last season At some
6: grounds I was surprised by this
2: But yeah But Tracy Crouch and she's the sports minister at the moment and while she hasn't publicly supported safe standing uh, the fact that she was uh, I don't know if she still is if she's a lapsed season ticket holder or if she still uh, keeps it going but she's a Spurs season ticket holder you would think she'd have a bit of empathy and a, and a kind of an understanding of the situation. But she came out and said, there are regulations to deal with persistent standing. I would like to see them enforced, because obviously nobody enforces them at the moment, so, to the letter th- of the law anyway. And then she said, while I appreciate there is a vocal minority who wants a return to standing, I don't think they speak for the majority. The clubs aren't convinced either. There is no desire among the top clubs to change this policy. Now, that's a load of bollocks. Mm, Villa, completely. Villa completely 100% behind it, and they say it has to happen. This is Wyners talking. Manchester United are up for trialling it. Spurs wanted to put it in their new stadium. West Bromwich Albion, obviously, this was a response to West Bromwich Albion's yes. uh, they application being rejected. On uh, Sorry, they, they put it in for safety grounds because... People celebrate, and this happened against Cardiff, obviously last minute Jack Grealish, you know, worldly. People, I mean, I've spoken to like four people, I think it is at the moment, who've told me they got injured falling over the seat, you know, falling Mm, two mm. rows in front. Because it's dangerous as hell. I mean, Manchester United, I remember it was the first, I think somebody broke their arm or broke a leg celebrating a goal because you just fall over the seats in front. There's nothing to stop you falling because the seats cut quite short, so you literally... Trip over that or fall over it. So she's come out with these quotes, which they're almost like from another decade. Yeah. Yeah. And don't really relate to any facts or the reality of the situation. And, you know, West Brom actually put in their application for safety reasons. And, you know, it's, I don't know. It's ludicrous, but what hopefully it will do is uh, be a catalyst to refocus the actual movement to get safe standing in, which I think is being trialled in Shrewsbury next season. So there is actually a precedent for it. So you can't yeah. really turn around. The government can't really turn around and say no. If uh, I'm sure, sure Welsh law, Shrewsbury's in Wales, isn't it?
6: Yeah, it's some backwater Welsh town.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm
6: sure Welsh law uh,
2: <laughs> applies. Uh,
6: it winds you up because you know it's been it's been going on. The safe standing and the the rail seats have been uh, Celtic for a number of years now, and
2: well, a couple of years,
6: a couple of years. But it's been in the Bundesliga for for years. You know, it's 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 the norm. You know, there's a, there's a big hurdle that we've got to jump. I think because of history in this country. But as you say, that's there's decades and there's fantastic technology in it. And I think if people had a grown up conversation about it instead of just going no, you know, it'd be for the better, surely. I don't, is it just yeah? Me? And
2: the vocal minority. Any any time you do a poll mm. and or you do a survey. Survey on this, and the Villa Supporters Trust did a, a survey a few years back. And you know, we're talking it, it's, it's always 85, 90 plus percent who want it. I yeah. mean, I did a, a Twitter one uh, on Sunday and mm-hmm. uh, to run for a few days, but yeah. uh, you know, after the first few hours, there was about 2,000 people reply, and that was uh, I think about 88 percent were up for it, 7 percent indifferent. So it's only a very small percentage who mm-hmm. say no. And when you Ask the, the people who say no what's, what's your objection. They say things like, well, you know, people standing in front of uh, the people sitting, it's, you know, that's not on, it's not fair to the people sitting. Mm. And you say, no, it's a separate section. Yeah, it's poor understanding. <laughs> the the people well, who it? say no don't really understand what it is. And they said, oh, well, where will the disabled and old people uh, go? Well, in the other safe standing, will only be the trials straight away will only be like two thousand, three thousand. I think Villarreal maybe even less than two thousand, which yeah, is less I think than it was five. Less than that, yeah. yeah, it's about one thousand eight hundred, which is you know it's less than five percent of the total, yeah. cap, you know, ground capacity. So it's not, you know, impinging on anybody's uh, seating or view. I mean, disabled people have their own section, and mm. that's going to grow, uh, obviously, if there's redevelopment. Yeah. But you know, old people at the moment, to quote old people from this person, it, mm. they are in. If they're sitting in the halt end, the amount of times they've got to go up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, when there's a moment of excitement, as they <laughs> like to class, as people <laughs> like to class it as, is not doing their knees uh, very good. So if you take uh, all is the people. The World,
6: sorry, I've got to stop here. Is this the world we now operate in, where I'm considering it is. the elderly? Isn't it? Okay, sorry, I just wanted to check. Carry on. Yeah, no.
2: I mean, back in the day, there was like, you know, if if a whole ten was full, it was like nineteen thousand, and you know, you just Jesus. got on with it. Yeah, exactly. None of this bullshit. <laughs> you would get all the people who would stand all the time and and they would be they'd obviously go for the safe standing section so pretty much most people will be sitting for longer so ah, it would be such good
6: it be government response isn't it it's like this yeah. no such poor understanding of and actually that people will decide where they want to sit and where they want to stand exactly
2: it's, <laughs> it's all about choice
6: yeah i mean in a democracy let's not forget allegedly
2: and so everything that resembles common sense suggests that safe standing is a perfect approach to football. Because, you know, somebody said to me today, oh, uh, it's a bit insensitive uh, having a poll about safe standing today of all days. And I said, "Uh, why? They said, oh, Hillsborough. Well, that's actually got nothing to safe standing. Got nothing to do with Hillsborough. Hillsborough no. is caused by poor policing, fences, and if there's anything insensitive, it's the uh, government and police cover-up that followed afterwards. I mean, safe standing—if that was there, if rail seating was there, it never would have no, happened. It never would have happened. No. So it's that's the first thing you got to do is disconnect it from Correct. that. Correct. Be- Correct. And then you can actually move on. So it's a non-brainer. Common sense must prevail. In well, in this world, who knows? Who knows?
6: Now it's time for Twitter with Tony. Psst,
4: Dr Tony? You need to read your tweets. <coughs> oh, I should have bought the wolves! Where am I? Aston? Fucking Aston
7: still? Oh, nah lad, Now I only tweet when we're winning.
3: Oh, oh, please, Dr. Tony. Seasoning profound for your Twitter followers. All right, then, mucca. For me, the main reason to love football is I has always been hoping this is the piece of world we can experience the love and warmth. We can escape from the ugliness of politics or forget the cruelty of bloody commercial field. Hashtag something hope Villa does. No, leave me be, lad. Wait me up when we get to Wembley, play our final.
2: <laughs> right, let's go back to after the Blues game. We finally cracked the top two. Yep, and it, and you thought that was getting over a mental hurdle there with the team we had to say the squad we had mm-hmm. uh once we got in the top two you thought that was it would be like running for the hills and you know we're getting into that position where you're counting counting how many points wolves are ahead and looking that well, you know if we beat the wolves then maybe we can actually run them down and actually uh take the title as well so we're in a very good spot after the uh the blues game but then, uh, I mean, I don't know how much how much you would uh, blame the sun, But then, all, obviously, Albert Domar uh, and Grealish were missing for the next few games. Yeah, and yeah. we were playing F- Fulham the next game. But you know, Fulham away, even with our full team, it's, it's one of those rare games. And this is the reality of the championship. This isn't this isn't like as Steve Bruce likes to say. That's the championship. Bigs up any opponent that we have and even the players do it now they've been brainwashed the only thing tough about the championship to a good team is just like it's a war of attrition you've got to play so yeah. many games yeah. and that's about it i agree with that but if you have a decent squad and you get on with it you know like your fulhams or your millwalls this year and you know so going back so you look at the fulham game and you think well that's you know you're thinking well it's a 50-50 one that is I thought so. And And, and there's not many games like that. So to get beat by Fulham, you're thinking, well, you know, that's considering how they battered us last season. I I wasn't expecting to win that game anyway.
6: Well, exactly. As you say, it's one of those ones you sort of, you mark with a question mark, don't you? And then the rest of them, you say, you you marry up the squad against. I mean, even with, you mentioned with the injuries that we were, we went there in really good shape anyway. And you thought, we've got a goodest chance and because uh,
2: that, we were, yeah we, I mean we were still on our seven game yep. winning run weren't we yeah exactly and the first half of that game we were competitive I mean Bjarnison was kind of getting in there and you know driving at them and you got to remember you know Johnson obviously a bit of a howler gave him that uh, yes. second goal but there was a flatness in that second half and and that kind of went on in that Preston game I mean at half time against Preston I was like you know I feel like walking out there this is uh <laughs> This is bizarre. We're meant to be going for the title here. That was my first warning. Uh, I was thinking, we're still doing the same thing as we've done most of the season. Even in that seven-game winning streak, a lot of those games could have gone either way still. It was like, a, you know, for example, that like Sheffield United game last minute. Winner, mm-hmm. it was that moment of uh, individual brilliance.
5: I think it was changing I,
6: games. The theme I take off, off that period and how it went into, you know... Preston Burton, Sheffield Wednesday was what take your word flatness and what we haven't had at any point really is though we've even we've, when we've been on winning winning runs we've never had an intensity about us have we where you no. think bloody hell you know where you hate to go to, to, to the Wolves example but you can watch watch periods of Wolves games of, of 30, 40 minutes where you think bloody hell they could be playing anyone here and, and they yeah. overrun them we don't seem to be able to sustain that across games. Doing, and, and that's no. not something we've seen this season. And uh,
2: Go, yeah, going mm. back to that seven game win where there's some of the results actually masked the game. I mean, yeah, going forward to what you just mentioned, Sheffield Wednesday is a perfect example. That, yeah. the fir- until the last 10 minutes where we lit it up, we were playing a team that I think had their first 11 team was all injured. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> <laughs> so you think, right, we're going there, but we're going to.
6: They'd almost abstained, hadn't they? Yeah. yeah. You,
2: yeah. you just thought, uh, well, we're going to control this and just beat them like 2 0. You know, if you're a betting man, you'd probably say, yeah, this would be a 2 0 win because, you know, they're missing about 11 players. They haven't, haven't got their full back line. They, you know, I think they're on to their sixth striker. That's or something. i sure they
6: had a recognised striker, did they, they? No, they didn't. And, and that, was, uh, that was the game. And, I think that was the game I sat there, uh, there uh, thinking. We, uh, we could have uh, lost that. We could have. <laughs> And uh, I remember sitting there thinking, well, you know, where was the? Because we were quite the only game I could, I could say that we, we were emphatic in was was the Bristol City game where we just went goal 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 goal. You know, it was a, we took them apart.
2: But even but, after two nil, they they went gun ho and they they put up. Hmm. You know, they put their centre back up front. And yeah. uh, I mean, the manager to his credit, I, I remember watching his uh, post match. Discussion that game and two nil. He said, "Well, I still went to win that game, yeah. and I put the centre Lee forward Johnson up front, and obviously left ourselves open. And Villa obviously didn't mess around with that. So you know that score line flatters. If Bristol City wanted just to get beat two nil, they could have got just got beat two nil quite easily because Villa do tend to step off the gas a little bit.
6: They're comfortably ahead. I think we step off the gas at one nil." <laughs> You know, I think recently that's been the case too and Well that game I, against Leeds, I think, I remember seeing in the
2: last seconds I think we had a free kick or Conor Horan was in a shooting position and, and he, instead of having yes. that putting the cross in or shot, it just took it down to the corner flag. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And you think, Well, you haven't got much faith in defence. No. But but that's not <laughs> him. I think I think it's instructions. It's I like play it agree. safe. I absolutely agree. And you think, okay, game management, safety first, three points is three points, but it's that mentality that kind of encroaches into the rest of Villa's, let's say, their mentality and their ethos
6: and how they play. But I I pick up on that, you know, I'm I'm no great fan of them, but Cardiff Cardiff have that mentality of not knowing when they're beaten, and perhaps I think that's what, what you're touching on there, that, you know, everyone was looking and keeping an eye on the scores the other day when they were at Norwich. You know, they scored two goals in the last virtually injury time. Yeah, and they've sco- they scored, whether... they scored an
2: injury time equaliser against Sheffield United as well.
6: Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether we've yet got that. I think that we've got... We're, we're a far better team than we were, more organised. I think we're disciplined and we're well-drilled. But whether we have that killer instinct yet, and, and and true belief, true belief, I'm not sure all of the players have that belief.
2: Well, the only extra dimension we have now going forward is, is, is essential all in one man. It's Grealish. He's mm. the only unpredictability uh, that we bring to the table yeah. when we go forward. And he needs more movement around him. Uh, and sometimes, I mean, Nomar, I mean, he had a better game than normal uh, mm. against Leeds, but he's, sometimes you see him ball watching. You see him, you know, Grealish will take the ball on his off and you'll see Nomar just stroll in behind him, just watching to see what happens, rather than mm. having more movement, you know, giving Grealish more options when he's getting into the final third because he gets to the final third and there's, there's, you know, he's probably got one guy to pass to. There's nobody
6: else... Causing any confusion up there, and Noa was an interesting one to pick up on briefly. Just, just sorry because he, he reappeared, didn't he, against uh, against Leeds, and has got reasonable plaudits I think for his performance. But we did see over that game um, the the shortcomings with him, didn't we? And it was as described really that he he has the ability to move the ball quickly, very creative player, and, and I do like him, and I think he's coming for some unfair stick, yeah, along the way. But at times, like you say, where Grealish has has developed that uh, that he's burst to of to box, pace, box to box. A uh, anoma an you can sometimes look across and think you know where is he when we might be breaking and he can be his position can be a bit he'll be behind the play or you yeah, know not yeah. you know almost jogging around look so it appears you know um, and you think he's got more under his hood he's I think he's better than he if he was a bit more switched on I think he'd be a really yeah. good player. One
2: quick th- point, Horahan uh, recently Oof. we 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 spoke about him uh, if we go back earlier on in the season. Mm. Our main gripe was Bruce should be playing in more, let's say, forward. Yeah, and he was playing far too deep. Yeah. Now he was doing all right playing deep defensively, but we were lacking anything going forward. And until Grealish popped up uh, back from injury, that was a kind of a godsend. Mm. But uh, now I still read things. Oh, tireless effort by Hurrahan. Uh, you know, he was everywhere. And he like mm. whoa, whoa, not not in the game I was watching. No, I, <laughs> he's, he's again. He was yeah. like he's walking around and. I really he's, want he's, to
6: like Hurahan. He's really in double did.
2: figures, but these yeah. stats are masking the, the reality of the situation. His, he could, for example, if he yeah. was playing like Grealish is playing, in terms of the ground he covers,
6: imagine attacking teams with two two players like that. I really like, I, I'm repeating myself now, I really like Hurahan. I think he's got great potential yeah. in this filler team. I mean, I think I, I'd mentioned to you off-air that, uh, previously, before we recorded this, that I am... Um, I was sat alongside the pitch rather than my usual spot in the halt end for the Cardiff game. and yeah. it, Again, I'll lift your analogy, really. I, I sort of thought, well, I'll watch Hoorahan for a bit because in the first half particularly, I didn't think we were very clever at all against Cardiff. Yeah. And I think when Hoorahan doesn't tick, I don't think we tick particularly well because everything falls upon the other central midfielder or Grealish. Or, and I, I find him such an indecisive player to watch. You know, when we've had countless midfielders over the years who so you think... You, you think, oh, just play the pass, you know, even if it doesn't come yeah. off, just try the pass. And I don't know whether it's a confidence thing. I don't know whether it's this inbuilt um, or I don't know if it's coached or it's team orders to be restrained when releasing the ball forward. But at times...
2: You've got Lewis Graban dropping hmm. back deep and yep. some of his passing is more adventurous than any of the midfielders.
6: Well, the and through has, ball that Graban yeah. played against Cardiff to Hurahan. But yeah, I just find hurahan annoyingly anonymous at times because, I, you know, you, like you say, you look at his stats and you, you've, we've seen glimpses of his ability, but then there can be long swathes of the game where you think, where is he?
2: And, you know, we're talking, if you want examples, like how do we get, when we're playing teams like Bolton and yeah. QPR, how yeah, do we get yeah, bossed yeah, yeah, about? Yeah. It's
6: because Hurran goes missing. Yeah, it's, it's annoying. Yeah. I don't like to admit that that's the case, but it's... It's true and...
2: And yes, you yeah. can score, you can be the first Villa player since David Platt, first midfielder uh, from Villa to score into double figures, but it
6: kind of masks... I can see why he annoys people. and uh, I yeah. think You like, see, so you go on social media and in the whole thing you could I think it's very much a case of people appreciate the, the good bits that he does, but are not infuriated, but do recognise how anonymous he can be at times. And th- I think those same people as well perhaps you know, the reasonable people who watch how someone like Whelan plays, that, you know, you can recognise his contribution in terms of those... Subtle and less subtle interceptions that he makes, and then be infuriated by the wayward pass or the gifting of possession away at the same time. You know that's
2: or the or the uh, numerous own goal attempts
6: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> against Car- oh. against Cardiff. <laughs> that was some header, wasn't it? It was beautiful <laughs> flicked
4: header. But it was but before that, I mean, it was more of a ricoch- <laughs> the
2: one that uh, Elmo cleared off yes. the line. <laughs> yes. k- k- that, that kind of hit uh, Whelan first. I mean, af- after <laughs> the game, when I watched it, uh, watched the highlights, you hear the commentator on the header oh Whelan again trying to <laughs> score <laughs> yeah but no I mean he had a decent game against Leeds as well yeah he did yeah but I wouldn't want him in the team in, as a first choice if you know what I mean
6: no I, I, I think at this stage of the season and this is where I mean we we, we mentioned again off air that we were going to talk about how Bruce's approach and, and rotation of the squad has, has been the iffy part I think as we've lost yeah. our, our way in terms of second that's
2: my view let me just stop you there and mm. just hold that thought i just wanted to say that after the blues game mm. what we had there was a full house we had the intensity yep. where villa you know rose to the game and we've just been saying you know we hadn't seen villa play of any intensity they played with intensity twice mm. real intensity and that was against the blues and wolves full yep. houses yep. roared on which gives you hope for the playoffs but we'll, we'll get to that later so what we what we saw was the um after the Lord Mayor's show against the Wolves, because mm. okay, Fulham beaters, but it was kind of the way that Fulham beaters that we we weren't really there at the was, races to, no. to give them a game, and then Preston was, you know, that was just an un- unremarkable performance. It was uh, shocking, and then the Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday game was terrible. So this was a warning, and this yeah, was a warning for yeah. Bruce, like. There was a problem after that blues game for getting the team up into any intensity to actually, you know, take on these teams and beat them let's say comfortably. But we gave all these all these teams a foothold. So mm. we get to the Wolves game and we'll we'll take it from here. And you know, QPR, Bolton, you're looking at the Wolves game, looking at the fixtures in your head, and you're thinking Wolves that's going to be a tricky one, but you know, we can take them if we if we play to it and then pull it out of the fire, win 4-1, fantastic performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you think, here we go. And we're starting to look at the table again and think, yeah, we can get the automatic spot. And if wolves start to wobble, because who knows how they're going to react after getting, you know, the floor wiped with them. We might even, you know, get really up there. But uh, QPR, Bolton, just unbelievably
6: shocking performances. They were and I, um... I mean that's that's where I I see the season as having gone awry I think we some commentators look back at yeah we would have benefited from a, a quicker a quicker start to the season there were there were draws and defeats here and there but we were in second as of blues and even wind it forward to the wolves game the momentum yeah. was with us yeah. And the QPR game, I mean, that was, I think I, I remember tweeting at the time that the elation that you felt walking away from Wolves couldn't have been countered and turned on its head so much walking away from QPR because yeah. it was baffling how different that eleven was and it wasn't. And that's the first time where I thought, because as, as perfect as Bruce got the tactics for the Wolves game, he called it 100%. He got a 100% wrong against QPR. So, let's and, go, I mean, uh, let's
2: go to that. There's, there's yeah. two thoughts here. There's two schools of thoughts so. And I don't know if it's because people are just defending Bruce here, where you have a great win and people say you keep you keep your winning team, you play your winning team. If it's if it's mm. won, then you keep playing it. But then, as we've already mentioned, we had the warning already against the Blues. We lost a lot of intensity, and it took mm. us several games to get. You know, even though we won uh, like the Sheffield Wednesday game, we were not yep. at the races in that game in any shape or form. No, no, no. So we were calling
6: out for bionisson
2: to play because it was lo- you know it was almost logical
6: mm. against qpr yeah. and this was the crazy thing about the qpr decision was because bruce had actually surprised everyone with the inclusion of yedinak against blues yeah because bionisson was in good form and so yeah. th- that was the surprise log- the irrational thing about the qpr game that for as fantastic as yedinak had been against uh, wolves sorry that you expected bionisson to come back in didn't
2: I? So the irony of uh, not playing Bjarnason and resting Yedinak against QPR hmm. Was that Yedinak would have been better against uh, the Bolton in those circumstances where it was like a physical battle and it, it snow in the air and yeah. everything, yeah. and it was like the back, yeah, the team, the team that should have started against Bolton should have started against QPR and vice versa.
6: As we've said lots of times. I don't think either of us haven't got any any real ill feeling against Bruce as such. We sort of judge it as it goes, and yeah. but those are the obvious things that when we look back on the season, and if
2: this isn't two bumpkins on a podcast uh, saying this, <laughs> he actually admitted after he the did. game that, he and he and he's. How Many times has he done that where every week these are glaring mistakes <laughs> that any fan with half a brain spots?
6: I don't know why he doesn't change in game. That's my biggest frustration. That you know, you can often see uh, what half an hour in. Yes, yeah. it's embarrassing to admit your mistakes, I suppose, but you know, safe sacrificing a game. I mean, QPR was glaring after you know, not very long at all, and th- that was the point at which we were eb- you know, supposedly on our biggest high, you know, a few literally a few days after the Wolves' victory. Yeah, you know. M- expectation, momentum, belief was at its highest ebb. And by 90 minutes against the QPR game, you were walking away wondering, it's it's not rock bottom, but you, you, you're baffled, aren't you? And that, that resonates onto the pitch and, and carried into the Bolton game after it.
2: We can blame the snow for rearranging the QPR game, but, I mean, <laughs> we should be beating that QPR team any time, any place, anywhere matter. at Villa Park. I mean, it does not matter. But... Uh, yeah, Bruce out basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. After the Blues game, we had the you know we had a mini blip, mm-hmm. and then after the Wolves game, you're thinking right, we've had our little mini blip. We're going to blast on now. Yeah, yeah. And that double blow, you just knew after that Bolton game. I thought right, that's it. We're not getting an m- automatic promotion because people, you know, you, you say oh well, look at you know Cardiff's fixtures. They got a pretty tough fixture list. I mean, Fulham have had a. They played a period of games. Uh, where they played the top six consecutively, mm. and that was where Oof. I thought yeah. Fulham had a great, you know, great start to uh, great start to the year. And you know, they were the team of momentum. And then you're thinking, well, they haven't actually played anybody yet, Cause, and they've got to play mm. every decent team in a row. They beat Wolves, they beat Villa. I think the only they team they played the, the
6: road. They absolutely played the road, and
2: they just wipe uh, they wiped through the top six. The only team that took a, a point off them was Bristol City, and when they got through that. Then I thought, shit, they're for real. And uh, if we don't, if we don't keep, you know, if we don't keep rocking and rolling, they're going to take us down. You know, they're going to whatever Cardiff do, they're going to take us. And when we got beat by Bolton after QPR, you know, losing those two games in quick succession, I thought that's it. We're we're not in this.
6: I mean, I, I was thinking. Of, I mean, we're similarly minded. I think on these things, and I, and I, I would take a very simplistic view of promotion. Is that you don't get you don't get promoted if you're losing to teams like QPR and Bolton with the greatest yeah. respect in, in 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 the context of the seasons they're having yeah. the other thing that you know i keep in the back of my mind is is, is stats as well you know that there's some obvious statistics around teams that went up and i have got a, a pre prepared list here ha <laughs> but you know teams that went have gone up in just in second over the last 5 years brighton 93 points middlesbrough 89 points watford 89 points burnley 93 points we were always suggesting we might get there, but then after you know you beat a Wolves, then you lose to Fulham yeah. were a good example that they they will probably finish third as things stand. And that, that goes to show that that was my tracker, I suppose, and probably for a lot of other fans, that we, we were just not tracking high enough, were we? And yet we had it in our hands. And that's the annoying yeah. thing, I think, that when we look back on the season, irrelevant of whether we go up or not. That we probably we should have gone up automatically. I don't care how we go up, by the way. But yeah,
2: I mean promotion is promotion, but uh, yeah. we did yeah. have but it in Bruce our hands. But if Bruce doesn't get
6: promoted, he will kick himself for some stupid defeats. I think.
2: Yeah, because this, I mean, it's a real drop catch in this uh, situation. Because Fulham, they've 21 games unbeaten. Mm-hmm. They've lost one. Uh, sorry, 21 games unbeaten, and they've won. I think they've drawn three of those. So yeah. that is a mo- monumental charge, but yeah. still is not good enough to get them uh, potentially automatic promotion i mean it's it's all obviously down to cardiff if they can maintain it so villa villa had had a bit of a lead on fulham and they were in a position once they got into second they could have kicked for home there you know you, mm-hmm. they could have lost against fulham away not a problem you, you carry on I mean some of the games that we've lost are shambolic
6: Norwich is a Norwich yeah
2: was just, just about that. to say Steve Bruce comes out with his line that's the championship right that's the championship you can go to Norwich you can get beat 3-1 but the team that you're against in the promotion race Cardiff goes to Norwich and wins 2-0 now that tells yeah. me that you've either you've got a plan and you've got a team that's good enough to go to these places and win Norwich they couldn't believe the results beaten Villa three one because they were all thinking about next season. Norwich is all about next season. They didn't give a toss a about this season. Isn't it for them? It's a non game and they're just trying and things yet, out and deciding who they're gonna keep, etc etc.
6: And yet the perverse thing is you you then juxtapose that against victories against Cardiff and Leeds who are I think significantly better teams, although Leeds are now a no, Le- Leeds Leeds,
2: Leeds Leeds had a big injury situation going yeah. into that game.
6: But still I would put them above Norwich or no worse you know what I mean? Uh,
2: no, no, I don't know what you mean. I would, I would rather play Leeds at home than Norwich away. in in this in their the teams they
6: put out. Perhaps, but I, I, I'll, will we'll beg to differ on that one. But I, <laughs> well,
2: let's go, let's go along with whatever you're trying to say, and I keep interrupting.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you carry on with that. But the, the thing is that the Norwich game was not a surprise either. You know? No,
2: I, no, exactly.
6: Annoyingly, because you know, you wake up on that, you know, you're positive, you want to you want to do but at the end of the game it, it had the feeling of so many games, as we've discussed over over the, the last 15 minutes or so. And that's the frustration, that really we should be very positive. And Norwich was masked again off the back of a 3-0 victory over Reading, where, where yeah. again, it, with the positive spin from the PR from the club and in some of the quarters, it, you know, 3-0 at home against Reading looked very good. Actually, the first 45 minutes where they had 11 men, it was one of the worst games of football I've ever watched. The second half was a canter. Reading gave up. They gave up. Their man got
2: sent off after (laughs) half an hour.
6: It was a ridiculous sending off as well. I mean, it was a a second yellow through the back, of will So we we
2: basically beat the team uh, (laughs) who played with 10 men for 60 minutes. When we went to Norwich, I mean, those fans who had to get up at ridiculous Mm. o'clock. We've all been there. They were thinking we're going to win this. And when you play a team that's got nothing to play with, in the first 10, 15 minutes, you show them that we're we're coming to town and we're going to batter you because we need this game.
6: Very annoying
2: result. But it, but we didn't really. There was no intensity in the initial stages of that game, there was and none, we le- was, we it. let them get into it, and then they realised, oh, these guys, are, you know, don't seem to be that up
6: for it. It was a limp performance. It was, yeah, and I, you know, just looking back over that cluster of games of, you know, the defeats. Cluster to, fuck. Cluster fuck of games. <laughs> cluster fuck up of games. You know, the defeats. Take the defeats. The QPR bolts in Norwich. Just say that we've drawn those three games, you know it doesn't put oh, us don't, in t-
2: don't don't go there
6: <laughs> exactly exactly, and that's the this is the annoying thing for me that we have tantalizingly suggested that all season long all season long bar bar the early part of of of, uh, of, of August perhaps that we had enough about us to do this, and I, Bruce will be judged I think come, come hopefully, playoff final day, but we could have that we should have had this wrapped up, you know we should. People some people even now will be looking at the table going, We we can you know, we can get up and we can if through this combination of results, well you know, yeah. it hasn't happened since the last time Steve Bruce got a team promoted out of the season and incidentally, um, you know, that was over five years ago as well, wasn't it?
2: When uh, when Villa beat Wolves, I mean everybody in the Villa universe was stroking each other's cocks. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting a bit, I'm getting, because I've got a, I'm getting a bit coarse because I've got a bit of anger thrown, uh, flowing through my veins. Mm. You know, the, the club's, uh, in house channels were going, headlines, mm. Villa are back. And uh, I mean, maybe the local press were doing the same thing yeah, as well. So. And let, I'll, I'll, let let me track back. I went to the uh, the fan consultation group meeting in February and, you know, we went through the agenda and, you know, question answers with Keith Wyness, And uh, there was another, uh, I think, one of the commercial directors there. And then at the end, uh, you know, I said to him, in terms of like the mission of promotion, and this is obviously going back uh, to February, I said, this season in my book is all about promotion and i said but i'm not getting this, this doesn't doesn't seem to be like a boot camp spirit about this mission like a sole focus it's not everybody's like you know gluing trainers uh, to their changing room doors and locking around and social media of uh, around christmas had steve you know they had that twitter comic hmm. doing impressions of steve bruce as if he's some kind of bum <laughs> but it's you know would, would brian clough would ron saunders would sir alex allow that to happen to be portrayed in that way where you know players are all larking about it and involved in on the gag and we're not talking about well get a sense of humor guys uh you know just they're just trying to have fun it's like yeah there's one thing you have to do and that's promotion and as i said to winas i said is there a boot camp focus boot camp mentality you know when i'm saying boot camp is like you strip down all the shit and you just get down to the business in hand and you know obviously they're not going to say no there isn't mate <laughs> like, well we're we're, well spotted. <laughs> a couple of guys who had been there, obviously the last few years, and uh, you know, dating back to Lambert, said there's, the togetherness in in the squad is more so than it's ever been in their time there, and you know, this is going back mm. to Lambert. And you can see that that's not a problem. You know, it's well that's um, a
6: positive impact to Bruce being in. I think that's one of the turnarounds. It's, it's impossible to
2: be less together than some of those squads we've had over the last few mm. years. But when I, you know, togetherness means camaraderie and people liking each other but is there a mentality and focus on promotion i mean john terry has instilled certain amounts of uh let's say a winning mentality but then you know he's always in dubai every other you know every other week and he's hanging around chelsea uh, anytime he can and it distracts away from this kind of promotion focus
6: well it, it detracts away from whether you know, because the the villa, we're back. Because it's 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 an old adage, but, but actions and words, they're they're two different things, aren't they? And- this is
2: what I'm saying. Like, don't say anything about being back. And you know, I, th- I you know the marketing department. I think it's it's obviously not connected to the manager. No. And they're there no. to hype, 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 and get bums on seats and sell season tickets. But like going into that qpr game after the wolves game there was a complacency there because a the players were kind of believing their own hype and you know obviously Mm. still basking in the glory of the wolves and the fans just turned up and expected villa to just roll over qpr and and Mm. the fans as we said at the top of the show that lincoln example they never you know got in there it was it was a strange night well leeds was a bit like that as well it was a bit flat yeah I and and the fans only come come to life when the blues are in town. So maybe we have to insist that uh, <laughs> opponents play in blue away kits or something. <laughs> they see that in the first ten minutes, if the teams just seems to be a bit lacklustre and low on intensity, they need to you know really get vocal and, and push them more. But I mean, this is the modern game, so I don't know.
6: I think so, and you wonder, you know, I'm sure that that someone, someone cleverer than me, can analyse why, you know, why why modern football stadiums are and modern fans are like they are. But I think that you know, you look at the roller coaster of of emotion that you know just across the set of results that we've discussed. You know, huge highs. Um, I don't want to describe them as huge lows, but huge underwhelming performances. Where if we'd have backed up, you know, imagine if we'd have backed up the Wolves win with a QPR win and then Bolt, because on paper. Yeah, you, know, you come out that week, yeah. and we're already into that—you know—the territory that we don't want to be in of of what ifs. The 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 frightening thing is, I think that we're going to come agonisingly close to perhaps automatic promotion, and then, um, you know, it's inevitable that we might—I think—conduct uh, a bit of an autopsy on the season.
2: Close enough to certainly look back at that QPR and Bolton game and say, you know, what if? Mm. And that's and that is the sad thing because QPR was a big shock. Yeah, it was not yeah. not maybe not maybe to a Villa fan who's you know obviously been watching Villa, but. But one, you know, one interesting thing I um, I put up uh, about the playoffs. Uh, mm. I said the playoffs aren't a lottery. I said this on Twitter: the playoffs aren't a lottery. If Villa play to their full potential, they should win the playoffs. Mm. Mm. And as somebody, actually, about three people said, uh, they are a lottery because the lottery is what kind of Villa performance you're going to get. Mm. Are Villa going to turn up? And that is the the biggest team that Villa fear in the playoffs is themselves, really.
6: That's a very, very good point actually um I'm not sure how to react to that other than to say that I think w- when when we've really needed a performance this season, we seem to have found them, and that that might sound strange against what I've just said that you know we've, we've just been mentioning the q p r game, but I do think that when under pressure and in the big games, we seem to be able to grind out results as well, and I'll give you a couple of examples that i I genuinely didn't think that we'd beat Cardiff at Villa Park. I thought that especially after about phew, 35 40 minutes I mean we all know over the 90 minutes they at dead in any number of chances.
2: Well yeah I mean Johnson Johnson uh, well, defied the your yeah. defied your logic there mm-hmm. basically.
6: Well he, he he defied he defied most people's, I think on the night. Um, yeah. And but we do seem to have the knack of winning those types of games, and that's that's a brucism. I think that, that, you, that many managers will have faced off Hell, we we there was many times when the Blues beat the Villa where Bruce was in charge, and you thought, how have they actually done that? Uh, I, I think the trade-off is that we we don't necessarily we're inconsistent. I don't think we necessarily have a clear style, you know. And, and I think that, yeah. that, that that the example of that was against Leeds, where in my view that should have been, or if that was Wolves, they'd have won that game two or three nil. And that game would have been sewn up inside 70 minutes, probably. The the Villa way is that we get the goal and we're still vulnerable or open to, you know, there was a, we've already talked about the late chance that they had. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. That's what i are saying. It's that, insecurity that, that we have, I think, still.
2: Yeah, And that kind of, I mean, as I was trying to explain at the time, it was very symbolic about the mentality of uh, when there's that first goal goes in. It's not like, remember the old Arsenal in the 90s under George Graham, Hmm. where it's 1 0 to the Arsenal. Hmm. And there's a little bit like that in Italian football, where it's like a contradictory example. Like when Arsenal scored. They would sing one nil to the Arsenal because they knew that was going to be the final result mm. because Arsenal locked up shop mm. and they were you know they were solid like that and it's similar in Italian football. I always remember like in the nineties in Europe. If, yeah, if you go go away to Italy and, and they score, then you, you're buggered mm. basically because it's going to be one nil. But Villa don't have that. There's still that frailty. Yeah. Yeah. There's still that like last 10 minutes where you're thinking, well, I think it's better this season because I think we have a better defence. I agree, I agree. But, but we are not playing like the Arsenal 1-0 machine where they knew it was job done. Mm. It's it's not that convincing. It, it isn't. Uh, we have a better defence, but it's not like we're this kind of strong unit and that's how we just grind. You know, We stop teams playing. We don't stop
6: teams playing. No, we don't stop teams playing. And I suppose it is the bizarre part of it is that I do think that we've got the firepower and the ingenuity finally in the final third to see out games. And that's the bizarre thing that if there's one area where Bruce has maybe struggled is that we we haven't been fortunate with injuries and not having a player like Kodja in the mix as, of strikers and as an option at the, you know, at the very least, I think, has hurt us at times. But I don't think necessarily even have it, even if... We had that extra striker. We've seen plenty of examples where our strikers have been starved, and you know, yeah. you know, Grabben in the, the the first part of the. Oh, sorry. The you know, the vast majority actually of the of the Cardiff game being one where he was very uh, very isolated and
2: uh... sorry just going back to the injuries mm. uh, we still managed to get into second we did. place we did it's true yeah. and this is the thing that is not an, injuries aren't an excuse and of course uh, as we've discussed before Steve Bruce got lucky with a lot of those injuries yeah. because A yeah, he discovered them a Albert Adomar who was I think on the bench it wasn't even in the squad for some of the no, first no. like seven odd games he preferred to play Gabby instead of Adomar uh, he <laughs> and he'd got Elmo in and Snodgrass in on the right wing, so or the right side, and that obviously was where uh, Adomar was featuring last season, so obviously, I mean, he was looking to get out of there, really. Mm -hmm. And he only got got in because uh, Green and Grealish got injured.
6: And the final one's the famous, uh, or the infamous one, is that Davis being thrown in in the deep end and turning out to be useful for that clutch of games. And then
2: you've got Elphick, who (laughs) he refused to play for so long, and and I kept banging on on this podcast, just play fucking Elphick, it's, you know, he's he, he used to be good in that position. And he hasn't suddenly turned crap overnight, you know, after a couple of dodgy games for Villa. And he, ter- you know, he put in some great performances. He and didn't then Bruce still went. Mm. Uh, that was another basic managerial error of. He still persisted on putting Yedinak in. And then Yedinak played that game against Sheffield United where we were mm. 2 0 mm. up yeah. at yeah. home. Oh. And then two. Poor, Hellers. poor passes. You know, howlers of judgment. Cost us, you know, cost us two points there, and against Derby, he messed up for one of the goals. But you know, <sighs> we're doing that. Whether thing or not
6: <laughs> we're we're analysing every game, they're going, oh shit, there's two points, there's four points, there's six. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that's the difference. But what I'm saying is, his injuries in the final autopsy is not an excuse because we got to second with that. You know, with all the injuries, blah 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 blah. But we found some gems along the way. Mm. You know, Codger gets injured, but Adomar steps up and scores 15-odd goals, which, you know, would Codger have scored them? We don't know. But we we, we were scoring them and winning games. Last season, Codger scored 19. We finished in the lower half of the championship. So we'd progressed as a team and there was goals coming from all over the place. I mean, Horahan also, you know, over in double figures. Graban's come in and he's chipped in straight away. Hogan's managed to find the net. We'll we'll talk about Hogan's touch count because we haven't had an update on that. And I've uh, been spending many a minute researching uh, how many touches he's had in most of the games.
3: Hey there, fellow fans. This is the voice of your god, Randy Lerner. Message to Dr. Tony. Y'all still owe me my millions, Tony. My final payment's due. You know the deadline. Automatic promotion by the 4th of May. It was what you promised me and your sycophant followers on social media, and don't you forget it, Tony. I was already kind enough to let you delay payment by a season. Get your house in order, but Jesus Christ, man. So contact my new financial advisor, Christopher Samuelson. You've heard of him, and he'll inform you of the interest you'll now be paying until the playoff final is decided. It better only go one way. It better. Fail to get promoted, Tony, and Recon will have to sponsor the Villa Park Toilets and Car Park to cover the extra interest you'll have to pay me, boy. Over and out. Lerner, out.
5: Fox out. Almstead, Almstead.
2: out. In terms of what kind of Villa team is going to turn up in the playoffs, mm. uh, and obviously potentially being their own worst enemies, when you look at the the, the games that the the playoff First of all, the playoff game at Villa Park is going to mostly resemble, is obviously going to be the Blues and Wolves yeah. game because yeah. it's going to be a full be full house or close to full house. It'll be, It'll be a night game and you'll have a vocal uh, crowd for a change. So the fact that our two best intense performances were in similar situations of what you know the playoffs are going to be, mm-hmm in terms of crowd and and the buzz around the game, then that gives me a bit of confidence going into it. I mean, obviously, Wembley, again, will be similar because, again, the crowd will step up at Wembley, you know, no doubt about that. The only problem I envisage in the playoffs, and this is assuming Villa turn up with some intensity and this play, you know, they're playing 8 out of 10 at least, is just Fulham at Wembley. And the wide open spaces, mm-hmm. uh, and how you know Session and his you know, mates down, you know, both flanks, they're mm-hmm. very strong, and how we handle that. That's the only danger of Villa playing to their, you know, near to their fullest potential all the way through the playoffs is playing Fulham at Wembley. Actually, Fulham over two legs, but I don't know. I think we can take him over two legs. I
6: think we can. Uh, I mean, I, I I am very positive going into the playoffs, and uh, I'm positive off the against the backdrop of some opposition fans, especially Wolves fans, saying, oh, do, you, "Do you fancy the playoffs? Having you know, I think having watched us, maybe not be over particularly overwhelming against Leeds and Cardiff on TV in the week, but I do." strongly believe that you know this is this is a massive football club and we've talked in this podcast about how how the fans have a part to play and how you know whilst in part yeah. I believe that the the club yeah. and the players have a have a responsibility in to lift and entertain fans and draw them and make them you know make them want to scream at the pitch really and support them I do think that over two legs especially the Villa Park leg that I think some of the teams that we could face, you know, I do say, and I do say this with a sense of arrogance. I think that our support can overwhelm teams. I, I forget who it was now, but one, I remember one of the managers who came to Villa Park this season. Do you know, I do remember now. It was Cottrell for Blues. He said that a number of the players got overwhelmed by the occasion, and that's that's not something to be understated. And
2: yeah, but that's local <clears throat> derby, isn't it? It, it is, so. it is. But for some some players, even at championship like cliche- level,
6: they arrive at Villa Park and they will not have had forty two thousand people looking down on them.
2: Yeah, no, normally our own players. <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah, no. Well, it's true. I mean I mean in a sentence, we went go back to the beginning of last season. Villa and Villa Park was too big for many of the players who we bought. One they weren't good enough some of them, but two of them I think it took Hurahan a long time to adjust to that. You know, and maybe still adjusting. Uh,
2: yeah, but you go but Villa Park now is It's not like playing at Dortmund or something. It's not like you've got this crazy atmosphere because it's you know it's pretty. But that's
6: the point. Pretty
2: lame to what it
6: should be. That's the point that that I'm making really. That it has the potential and it can be, you know, the blue. We have to take that derby mentality that you're mentioning that you know, that the noise that was reverberating around Villa Park when Hurahan when yeah. strike hit the back of that. Oh, there'll of be the an minute, intensity that, that, yeah. that's what we need to create as fans, and that's where our bit comes in. and I think that that will carry us through the playoffs.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I think the closest example, uh, recent history would be the quarter final against West Bromwich yeah, Albion, yeah. where they going into that game, and we played them twice in a week, but they were they were confident because they, you know, they were. I think they were higher in the league they had much better form and they, they were you wouldn't be surprised if they won both of those games certainly wouldn't be surprised if you know they won one and let's say drew the other but it was you know level playing field the crowd changed everything it was a great atmosphere yeah that's how I'd I I would imagine Villa pulling through.
6: And I'd, I'd use a similar example. I don't know it's a, it's a go-to over recent seasons because it's one of a few very very bright moments. But the and it, and it links into where you know where we'll hopefully be with the playoff final at Wembley is that when when we beat Liverpool at Wembley there was that there was that moment in the crowd against Liverpool where in the Villa end that there was a feeling that we could do it. And I'll never forget the noise in the build up, especially in the second half. But the noise and the, the outpouring of emotion when, when Delft's strike went in, and that belief that, yeah. you know, it was against a backdrop of, of lots of difficulties at the time. But as a standalone game, I think it serves serves as a good point that that's something that we can recreate here when actually we've got a genuine team. You know, and a real purpose, and that's the thing that I hope that's being rammed home to the Villa players now. That this is a this is a massive football club with huge potential, and if you can drag us kicking and screaming through a playoff final, then you know I'm not going to go as far to say you'll get legend status, but in recent seasons, you know, we have had very few idols and very few players you can say have pulled the shirt on and you could yeah, <laughs> you could care less about really. But these these guys have got a real opportunity yeah. to 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 make a mark here.
3: Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first.
1: Pro Pilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times.
2: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been
7: loving, Olive in June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is
0: picture the scene all of your mates are around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go partner this with your team playing champagne football perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app there's nothing quite like a mcdelivery at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com
2: yeah Ta-da. i mean in terms of the situation villa are in if they get promoted mm-hmm. now this is This is where I worry about Mm. Villa, is we are not doing, like, for example, Fulham have got a team together. Mm. Huddersfield went up with a team together. Brighton, you know, playing in a way. Like Swansea when they went up. Bournemouth as well. Where they've established this unit over a couple of seasons, whether it was in League One and they got promoted. Leicester also. Yeah, Leicester, yeah, definitely did. When they went up, you know, they had kind of consecutive uh, promotions where you've got that winning mentality, you've got that team that's knitted together, they've gone through adversity, the crowd, the supporters are built in to the story of where that team's come from and, you know, where it's going. So it's it goes up as like a mm-hmm. whole thing. Villa go up, I think, against Leeds. Uh, they, it, uh, the statistic was it was the s- third oldest first 11 that had been put out in the championship. Mm. So we go up. And a lot of, you know, those old players, uh, Terry's going to be, what, 38 if he stays on. Wheel Whelan, these are, they came down to the championship because they were a bit, you know, they've lost their mm. legs essentially mm. for, you know, the Premier League. And then we had, you know, we've got like uh, Johnson, Graban, Anomar, Tuinzabi. So suddenly we won't have those loans unless we obviously we signed Johnson, mm. for example. So we're going to have to build it. We're only going to have like five, half, half the team's going to be have to be rebuilt and it's coming from nowhere like this is a team that starts from scratch in the premier league it's not like it's not a continuation yeah. by add, you know adding two or three ex- extra parts I, I of mean quality. the controversial
6: now sorry no, it's fine. I, I, the controversial thing from me is that as a football club i think we really suffered through not having that i mean it's a lot of churn it's a lot of change to absorb but i think yeah. that we really struggled in our latter years in the premier league for having the same being stuck with the same team um, and I do think as well, and this is going to sound very negative about the players that we've got, because if they get us up, they've done a, they've done the job for us. But that team would need, in my view, serious reworking anyway for the Premier League. If 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 you really wanted to survive, oh, yeah, yeah, that's probably yeah not a bad thing that you'd have a number of players who you'd say, do you know, what, thank you very much, you've you've done us a fantastic job, but this is where our ways part. And we haven't been disciplined this- enough as a club in doing that for a number of years. You know, Gabby's a great example. 5 years past his sale by date
2: hence hence the 5 billion naming rights uh, deal of uh, bodymore <laughs> heath it's <laughs> <That's> conveniently <laughs> <yeah. laughs> neymar's coming people 300 million he's going to be first off the coach from uh, paris saint-germain <laughs> no but uh, <laughs> But no yeah I'm I'm not I'm not what I'm saying is I'm not criticizing the team because it's mm. it is what it is because of circumstances we've had to we need to get promoted as quickly as possible so it's a kind of a quick fix like yeah mm-hmm. we will get Terry in yeah to Nick Wheelan. we'll get some new loans in it's probably probably the only way you could go to Let's say, try to guarantee as much as you possibly could to get promoted. I mean, because just just take the other side of the coin to build to, to rebuild it to become one of these teams. What I'm talking about, where you've got a team that's played together and they're they're on the journey yeah, and yeah, the, yeah, and yeah, the crowd yeah. are invested in it. That takes a few seasons, and we're in such a desperate predicament because we've got an owner who's you know bought a club because he's been advised that this club will go back mm, quickly. Mm. So I don't think he's going to be, oh, well, let's, let's spend five years in the championship uh, building a team with the youth pr- prospects, et cetera, et cetera. So it mel- moulds into this uh, Villa engine. That's not the reality of what's going to happen. We're going to have to, as they've always said, they're go- they'll build a team to get promoted, build a team to survive, and then build a team to challenge for Europe.
6: And I think that that has to be the plan because the the other the other side of the coin is that all of those all of that criteria that you've just described still applies. I think if we stay down, that we've got yeah. a well, we, we've just fielded the third oldest team, but we've, we're we're going to have massive massive change inflicted on us either way, and that you know not just because of the age of the squad if we stay down, that the huge obvious <laughs> hammer blow will be that our financial capacity will be significantly impacted as well, and we, we've covered that in separate podcasts. Yeah. But it's it's a it's played down. It's ignored, I think, rightly at this point by the club because it's not a it's not a good PR thing. But from a fan's point of view, I think there's a level of uh, head in the sand when it comes to actually saying, well, you know, promotion is our priority. But if we don't get promotion, how different things will be from next year.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the more Have thing is is part of trying to uh, address that i mean not many people do naming rights on their training mm. ground financial fair play is not really a problem it now really but is. you know club obviously had an eye on it for next season because it would be i mean also if we stay down uh, you aging Whelan, uh, terry for example if he stays uh Jedernak aren't suddenly going to get no. better because they're their age now where every year you do drop in nobility so we're in a situation, and, you know, will Chester will fancy another year in the championship? Even Grealish, I mean, I think Grealish would probably give us mm. a year just th- through his uh, affiliation with the club, but he's, you know, he'll, people will be sniffing after this season. I think they will
6: be regardless. I don't, I don't think that's, you know, they might take Villa the view that it's sort of like a, uh, a bit of a sandbox for him, but it extends beyond all those old players you've just mentioned. Chester, I don't think you—it's uh, going to sound really backwards, but I, I think if a, I don't think you'd begrudge Chester a, a move on if if we didn't get up this season, to be honest, because he's he's a Premier League player in my view. You know, he, you know yeah, I wouldn't begrudge him that. He's he's been fantastic for us. And then you've got other issues like Johnston and stuff like that. You've got wholesale change. Yeah, you won't no, you won't see no, him no. again.
2: No. Because, you know, for example when Chester signed, they're saying yeah, you know, one season in the Championship mm-hmm. and you're up. So it's stretching his what he's been told uh, a little bit when there's a second season in no. the Championship and then suddenly there's a third season then you realise all the promises of You'll be playing for Aston Villa, one of the you know biggest yeah. clubs in English football in the Premier League very soon. Suddenly, that that kind of promise is a bit of an empty. It begins the backdrop
6: of the club. You know they would never say it, but they would be in a position where realistically they would have to listen to the offers because the financial impact of not you know it's not all about yeah. financial fair play. It's actually it's a chronic. It's a very simple balance sheet um, exercise. Our revenue stands to drop to yeah. nothing really. But in comparison to, to the Premier yeah. League years and, and there,
2: and those wages, will Terry take a big yeah. pay cut? Exactly. But would you want a 38 year old centre back that failed to get you oh, up exactly. the first time? I mean, it's exactly. obviously it's not not just on his shoulders. But well, you know exactly. What I'm You'd have
6: to say Terry's been one of our one of our best performers. And
2: I'll say this now: our chance to get in the Premier League, we have a better chance this season than we will like, next season. Well,
6: agreed. We have to go up this term. We have to go. Yeah. One
2: thing we've forgotten, which we will do now, is the Scott Hogan touch count. Just to recap, <laughs> this situation, Scott Hogan, where it, it came to light, I think it was like when he, against Barnsley, he scored two goals, like pretty much in mm. the first 10 minutes. And you're thinking, Scott Hogan's back. Scott Hogan's the man. Scott Hogan, suddenly we're getting our money back for this ten, circa 10 million pound player. Against Barnsley, he only p- touched the ball 13 times, scored two goals, but only touched the ball 13 times so the next game we played we you know counted his uh touches and it was uh like 12 and then the next game was like 14 he went up uh, went up a touch and he's thinking hang on a minute <laughs> we've been playing with 10 men for me i mean obviously you know he occupies defenders or whatever but uh, there was that you know famous moment where gary neville uh on the sky sports commentary uh singled out gabby for was it touching so it eight ridiculous. times or something but Hogan was on that level, and uh, against Sunderland, he touched it 14 times. That was 66 minutes. And you compare that, Davis, when Villa Villa were 2-1 down against Sheffield Wednesday, Davis came on, on the hour mark, Villa 2-1 down, Villa 1-4-2. Davis touched the ball 30 times in that half an hour. So that kind of gives you a a kind of a rough idea of how many times uh, a centre-forward kind of potentially could be touching it. Against Fulham, when we got beat 2-0... Hogan touched it 18 times in 90 minutes. Davis managed to touch it five times in three <laughs> minutes when he came on. So that's like a quarter.
6: Is Hogan a, a ghost? Is he of, a ghost? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is he real?
2: And the, you know, the more you read these stats, the, the funnier it gets. Uh,
6: I like Hogan, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, no. It's, uh, I, just, I, think. I just don't know what. I don't know what to make of this. Louis Grebon normally touching the ball
2: 30... Thirty to like I don't know forty five times forty four touches against uh, Cardiff uh, Greban. Having looked at this, and then you get you get to a situation where you play Norwich away. And remember going mm. back to Keenan and Davis, what he did to Norwich. I mean, he he was a massive influence on you know most of those four goals. Hogan plays Norwich when you need somebody. As uh, another uh, Villa fan pointed out, like when Norwich played QPR in the week leading up to that game. QPR's centre-forward just, you know, massacred. Uh, they couldn't handle the big man. And so we we play Hogan up front against Norwich. He touches the ball 13 times in the horrible. whole game. And if you play Davis, I mean, uh, obviously there's there's Graban and uh, Codger and, you know, the club's paying them bigger wages. So uh, politically it's not going to be easy for Davis to get the call there. But I think he holds the ball up and is more of a, let's say, uh, a bugger he's to defend against because he's, he's a lot more yeah. physical, shall we say, yeah uh, that might have been the card to play against Norwich, and this isn't really in hindsight. This is from what he, you know, he actually did, and we knew he did to Norwich before. Another funny thing is is uh, bringing Hogan on as an impact <laughs> sub, for example. Like when you're chasing a game, it, it came on against Leeds, 77 minutes, so he's got 13 minutes to go. Mm. Impact sub time touches the ball three times.
6: Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. That that's the bit where you sort of scratch your head with Hogan. I have to admit.
2: But of course, if he scores. Then nobody nobody cares about how many times he touches it. Against Barnsley, he touched the ball thirteen times, but he scored two. Probably his first two touches. I mean, the joke is there. Uh, you you just <laughs> sub him after he scored those two goals, and you <laughs> <that laughs> might we as well him. bring on Chris Samba <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, like he's a two-in-two two man. He just needs two touches. He'll get you two goals. But it's a strange one, that. But you know, interestingly, obviously. Uh, when we played Wolves, I think we went with Grabban up front, and I and I I was looking at that, and I was saying, if if Bruce doesn't play Grabban up front, you know, you obviously play one up front against Wolves because you got to mm. you got to fill the mm. midfield up a bit. But uh, if he doesn't, then he, I've got question marks about his judgment. But he played him, and mm. you know, and it paid off, obviously. But then, it's obviously, he's rested him recently a little bit, apart from you know the last couple of games over that sticky patch. We were playing Hogan up front. I
6: really don't know. I, I... I think that the arrival of Grabban has has raised even more question marks about Hogan because you see, you, you sort of see a, a man with different attributes, different type of movement, purple patch in terms of goals. Yeah, and and Hogan Hogan seems such a but Grab Grabban looks so bereft of confidence of me. I don't know where that comes from.
2: Grabban look, he's yeah, a classy yeah, yeah. player on the ball. I mean, he's he kind of yeah. glides around the pitch. I mean, sometimes you could say a little bit too casually, but. Uh, you know, that's just part of his demeanor. I mean, he's a Premier League player, but it's more about his intensity uh, if he's gliding around isn't like a bit kind of exhibitionist mm. rather than actually having a purpose to it. I mean, he's, he's kind of an opposite player to Codger, uh, who is so mm. super direct... But Graban, as soon as that ball comes to his feet, his his head's up and he's looking around. He's observing the scenery. He's looking for passes or through balls, as we as we said at the head of the show. Where mm. Codger's head down, and if he's, I mean, it, you know, in the last game it was against Cardiff, where Villa were breaking, Codger ball to feet, running at the defence, and there was there was five mm. defenders in front of him. There was no way through, but he had a, a Villa player running either side of him on the flanks. And it just, you know, was the obvious, obvious ball yeah. was just to put it out wide to take away some of these five defenders that were in front of him but he just head down ploughed straight into him got off a shot which obviously was blocked
6: yeah Codger's still got that and that frustrating yeah he's got that frustrating attribute to him hasn't he I think what Codger brings and it was what we didn't have with Grealish last season is that um, we've mentioned it before in this podcast countless times I'm, I'm sure is that he brings that spontaneity and that was something that I think was apparent against Cardiff when he came on the pitch it wasn't a perfect p- cameo performance by any stretch but you saw that you saw that burst yeah. And as you did against, did against Leeds at times. I was just going to pick up briefly on on Graben because he he's a more intelligent footballer than, than Codger, and I think that that's what that's been my observation of him. That I think positionally he's very good. I think he's got a predatory nature about him. You know, yeah. the the finish at the near post against Wolves being one that jumps out to me. Yeah, you know, really really good header against yeah. Leeds. So actually quite versatile as well.
2: Yeah, and no, I kind of I kind of li- yeah, like, like him. Yeah. As I as I said, uh, I mean obviously he's not our player, but I would. Yeah, you could only really judge him as—is he a great, you know, striker, and is he an over a whole mm. season? If he was our player, it's it's kind of a uh, here. Is, he he was kind of filling in for Codge's injury, and he and he's you know he's done more oh, than okay. we could have expected, and he's obviously at an age where if we got promoted to the Premier League, you know, what, is he turning thirty? Would you would you buy him for anything? you know any amounts and he's somebody who keeps you know he's he keeps Mm. saying well i'm a journeyman and i go from club to club because i want to be playing and you know don't want to be sitting on the bench so would he be your starting striker in the premier league i doubt it but if we stayed in the championship would we be able to uh Buy him outright and actually afford him, because I think he would do a job down here, as he's shown. Even playing for Sunderland, who were dreadful. Let's face it, you know, rocking mm. the bottom of the league and uh, going nowhere.
6: Yeah, and and they were. I, I remember when he signed, there was some Sunderland fans been quite critical of his overall movement and stuff like that. And you, you can sort of see that. But having you know, having watched him up close, you know, there's been a couple of games where you where you you can be underwhelmed. But you know, he, he hasn't stood out in a team in a Villa team on occasion that's been underwhelming as a group. But I think Graben's as, as good as any other striker we've had down at this level for, for a while. So,
2: Some of his appearances have been, if he hasn't started, have been when Bruce mm. has done this crazy tactic of throwing on, you know, we've had four yeah. strikers on the pitch yeah. and nobody to pr- provide them with any an- yeah, he's, ammunition. Yeah, he suffered.
6: I mean, was uh, Cardiff the, the first half, wasn't it, as well? He was, he was completely starved at, at the top of the pitch. And I've also noticed that Bruce has started pushing him into almost like a left... Attacking winger striker position a couple of times, which yeah. he's played well in actually, uh, but it affects the old goal ratio when you start mucking around the formations. Yeah, well, Even it's all about, about the team. team winning, and we're a so, team, uh, and we're back.
2: When you uh, when you <laughs> well, don't no, go away. Sometimes AWOL, these things. Happen. When you're not drifting <laughs> off on the left <laughs> <Yes>. wing.
6: <laughs> no, it's more right wing. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, well, well, that's not that's not going to your political uh, <laughs> persuasions. <laughs> There, we're joking about Pirate. it, by the way, people. We mm. are gender neutral and we are uh, politically neutral, and we are uh, what else? Can you be neutral? Cold War neutral so we as well. Care. We don't care who
6: wins. There will be no just winner, cockroaches in this, by the way. And Mika Richards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gab, no, I think Gabby's already dead.
2: Husk. just before we go on to listener questions that have been kicking around for the last few weeks uh, which we will address the ones that are still relevant one incentive to uh, get out the championship is i i don't want to see the faces of the west Bromwich albion fans or team next season i would rather be because the wolves are going to be the pride of the middle they're the only team that's in the premier league that can't happen that just can't happen people Anyway, let's go to the questions and answers. Uh, well, let's go to the questions, and maybe there'll be some answers. Uh, Neil on Twitter asks the question. And I think, for me, what I've been talking about is uh, is the uh, why did we get uh, Axel uh, to Nziby in when we have got pretty much the same player, whether in ability or not. Uh, that's another that's open mm. to debate, but in terms of positional potential in James Bree. Uh, but Neil says, youth development or loans, which is better for the club? Mm. It de- depends yeah. on who you're getting on loans. And we'll, we'll say, for argument's sake, that loans are young, promising players from, let's say, the top six teams
6: in the I Premier League. I think you take players like Sam Johnston all day long. I think that what you have to do is you have to accept, as we did with him, that there's going to be an adjustment time. Albeit that he spent a lot of time on loan in the lower leagues, but it's you know I think it took him took him probably a good month, six weeks to settle. On the other side of the coin, there's a clamour for players like Callum O'Hare, and I get that. You know he's a a rising talent, and there's a couple of others who are interesting in the under twenty threes. And this is perhaps where my view, perhaps. dare I say, differs from the, the vocal minority who believe that O'Hare and, and a couple of others should be well embedded within the, the eleven or at least within the match day squads. I'm not convinced that they're that they're ready yet. And that that's only from bitter experience I think of seeing yeah. that very, very few players cut it at the top level and there's an argument to be had for that they need more senior football and the quality of under twenty three football isn't there. Um but with, I mean, with O'Hare as an example, he's probably one who's who we think could make it. Um, and and I, I think back to just a recent example of a competitive game, the, the Peterborough game, where he, he struggled physically, he struggled with the pace, he struggled with the the competitive nature of the opposition. Uh, and so that's what makes me yeah. think that there, there's a we have to blend these things that where like you say, top top young players that are coming through, Aloe la Wolves, <laughs> if they're available, you take them, and uh, when you can.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, look at, looking at some of the players, I think Josh Anomar, Yep, that made sense because he was yep. coming in for Grealish, essentially. Grealish's injury was going to be long-term and based on what Josh Omar was doing for, you know, what he's done for Spurs, but, you know, mainly also the England under twenty you know, under-21s, people were excited about it. I mean, you know, you've got to remember, you know, people have criticised him. Uh, he hasn't had a run in the team, like a proper run in the team. And he has, he hasn't. I mean, admittedly, rose to the occasion in oh, no, some games that he should have done. But I think against Leeds, we saw both sides of yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of Good you know, what the player is. Uh, so so that's fair enough. James Bree and the Axel Tounzebi mm. uh, debates. James Bree is a strange one because this is a player that Steve Bruce watched mm. three times before he got in. Normally, you know, the process is, uh, you know, scouts pick a player, then Steve Brown goes to see him, and then Bruce can make it he'll go and see him and then obviously has the final say but this is somebody at Bruce in that January window where it's like his first window and it's like right I need to really kind of put my stamp on this squad and you know and also have one eye on you know the next step as well as uh, the here and now and Bree, pretty much the same age as uh, the United player Plays right back can also fill in at left back and also fill in at centre back unless you're playing Peterborough <laughs> in the FA Cup. When it's not no. a good idea to put James Bree in at centre back alongside John Terry, who has just come back from uh, a long-term injury. Why Elphick no. never played in that game, I'll never know. But anyway, uh, but yeah, that that's a strange one. And Axel has been, I mean, he's been solid, but he's not like you. You don't see him and go, wow, that was that's a great player. That's you know, it's a great loan. He's not adding anything extra that uh, James Bree playing okay is bringing to the table. I mean, but you know, for example, Neil Taylor is this kind of neutral average player, but I mean, obviously it's not in this debate, but so I haven't seen Axel do anything that James Bree couldn't do. Yeah. So that one's a bit of a strange one because James Bree, if Bruce has seen him three times and obviously has him earmarked as uh, the you know, future of Villa, he should be getting games if If all he's doing at this point is being like the third choice right back, which Axel came in, I think Axel mainly came in to cover John Terry after we got rid of Elphick. Mm -hmm. But then obviously when Terry got injured, you know, we're we're using Yedinak uh, to do that job. Good to see Chris Samba fit on a a side. (laughs) Yes. But uh, so it, it, it's a case by case scenario, really, on loans. If you can get a gem, you know, obviously Johnson yeah, has turned yeah, out to be one of our example. better players of the season. Uh, Anomar was obviously logical, and if you know, if you're talking about replacing Codger, uh, then you'd rather you know get Gribbon in than uh, promoting somebody from the under under 23s. Yeah, yeah. So that's common sense. Tom on Twitter says, Anomar, does he deserve the stick he get?"
6: Uh, it's easy to look at him as a as a much older, more experienced player, and he's actually a you know a young, inexperienced footballer who, because of where we're at and where we want to be, that we've pinned a lot of um, a lot on very quickly. And I think that we were perhaps lucky very early on to see the best traits that uh, Onama has got. And forgetting that oh, there were a couple of times as well where so much was put on his shoulders in in in, in game from Bruce that you think you know is a bit ahead of where he was.
2: Because he's only played a handful of, you know, he's only played exactly, a few handfuls of games you know, he's a young, young up-and-coming
6: player with with promise, you know, and he's still, yeah, even in the recent, his his recent decent game against Leeds, you know, you saw you saw the excellent bits of his technical ability, coupled with poor positional sense, and I, I think he suffers from poor concentration as well at times that that the game can particularly when we've got an opportunity yeah. to break quickly or you know he can be it can be another one who's a little bit indecisive i think he's best when he doesn't have time to think <laughs> ironically that he, you know he has to make that quick quick pass because yeah. technically i think he's very good i think mm. on
2: the ball he's good i mean i remember when we got we got hammers mm. uh, by cardiff in the away game he did this a great trick mm. like down in the corner flag on the left where uh, i think he'd almost fell over and the defender came in and he, yeah. he completely you know made a mug of him with some, he's got some great f- flicks and touches and that kind of stuff. It's just off the ball uh, and his movement, which uh, at the moment is, is is the weak part of his game. And if I mean, I think it was the first mm. time him and Grealish mm. started together against Leeds. But you thought by what can what Omar can do on the ball that that would be a bit of a dream ticket and would you know run rings around teams those two in midfield. But it hasn't no. really, eh? hasn't really had a chance to go. But because of the mm. questionable movement, I don't. I don't think it is uh, you know such that exciting dream midfield ticket that it that it maybe should be. Jamie Hand says Wheelan or a Nomar, who has been the best signing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, you probably have to go for, in terms of contribution to the cause. Uh, I think it's you been know, a Nomar uh, scored the odd uh, goal here and there. Yeah, we, Whelan <laughs> scored his first goal for a hundred <laughs> years against Sheffield <laughs> yes. Wednesday. I mean, he was unlucky against. It uh, he was he was pretty unlucky against Cardiff actually, because <laughs> he could have almost had a hat trick, but in, in the other in the, in, in in our uh, net,
6: but... <laughs> Whelan by a nose, I suppose.
2: Uh... Yeah, we don't have to talk long about this one. Whelan, I, I would I would vote for as well. Uh, I think this is uh, when you when you go back to when Grealish was injured, uh, not the big one, the the one where he missed like the Fulham and, and Preston game after the Blues game. There was a, there was a question about why isn't Henry Lansbury in there to obviously a, a replace him. Also uh when Conor Horahan as we, as we spoke to spoke about earlier on the show really needed a you know to be rested, Henry Lansbury didn't really uh, you know it would I I thought mm-hmm. that would have been an immediate swap, but it seems that Henry Lansbury isn't really I don't really fancy him Bruce. either. I mean, r- r- yeah, Russell Sturgis also asked the question: What has Lansbury got to do to get some minutes? For me,
6: it boils down to you know quite simple examples that we don't seem to have a grip of games when Lansbury's in the team. I don't know what whether that's a combination of players around him. I don't know whether it's where Lansbury finds himself playing in Bruce's uh, squad, and we've talked about this in terms of the Hurahan context before that have they been shackled back in front of the the back four? The, the the more recent example was earlier this season where Lansbury came came on against I think it was Leeds and scored seized his opportunity Leeds. and then and then
2: he wasn't he didn't he,
6: he got well, dropped the next game I think I think I'm sure he played I can't remember now
2: for what I was going to say about that that game that is the only time that you would probably put a feather in his cap exactly.
5: for a, you know and contribution for, for to a
6: guy the team. who on social media I think likes to project himself as a bit of a lad and a bit of a you know the centre of everything, to some degree. Maybe I'm reading his social media wrong. I don't know, but it, it doesn't seem involved half the time for me. I don't. I, I, it goes back to some of the, if you want to yeah. call them, warnings from some of the Forest fans that actually went missing for long periods of time. Maybe we just got a snapshot of Villa Park that day where where he came to Villa Park scored. Yeah, yeah we, and we saw the highlights. The highlights and, yeah. I, I want to like Lansbury. I've, I've, you know, he, I just don't know what he brings. I don't know what it is. I don't know what, and I wonder whether Bruce has the same yeah. thing that if. You know, if, if a Grealish isn't available, is Lansbury the natural replacement? I'm not sure he is.
2: Yeah, because based on that, the information we got for mm. when he played against Villa for Forrest, uh, yeah. he was almost like a one-man midfield that would uh, run mm. you ragged, drive the game, and uh, obviously had an end product as well. No, never have I. So that's why he doesn't get any minutes, Russell. <laughs> yeah. Scott Haynes says on Facebook, what strategy for the playoffs? <laughs> How do you think Bruce will set up the team? And with General, he's generalizing here more defensively or attacking and scott was hoping we, he would never have to find out because he was hoping for automatic promotion but uh we will find out but i think most fans would be able to answer that just based on the last two seasons of steve Bruce Yeah, it's managing. going to be a
6: defensive setup
2: yeah cuz i at the moment the way the way it looks and and, and it's pretty much this is how it's going to end up is we will play the first game uh the first game of the two-legged tie away from home and then second tie will be at home so uh, we'll go defensive obviously in the first game but you know obviously if we're chasing the game you will see an attack well hopefully you'll see an attacking uh, but we're not very good no, at chasing no, I think games. that's why we'll
6: be quite protective uh, I think as well I, I, I do
2: are they saying that you know we did we did chase Sheffield Wednesday, but we should have uh, we should have beaten them comfortably yeah. from the off. Considering I, I think you know, that as well, the,
6: the enormity of what what rides on this irrelevant of what spiel we hear in the press from Bruce or anyone else. the pl- the The playoff semis are must-win games. They are absolutely must-win games. The away game is a is a must not lose game, but the 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 over the two fixtures, it's a it's a must win. I, yeah. I don't think we'll ha- he'll have a choice, and I think that he will be very conservative about the first game, especially away from Villa Park, depending on who the opposition is. Um, and I think yeah. that well, we, I've not seen it in Bruce's armoury for him to say, "Right, shackles off, get after a team of you." I oh, it's not I don't I can't recall one occasion really.
2: Pete Bishop says, "What will we need and how much will we spend to stay in the Premier League if we get promoted?" I think that's a question to be answered at another time because we did Blake touch on it. Uh,
6: so I'm going to leave it.
2: I would say five or six players uh, straight away without Minimum. you know any thinking Minimum. for the first team. One of them, uh, obviously, we have to lock down the goalkeeper. Sam Johnson. If we did get promoted, I would, I would, I would put a sneaky bid in for Leeds' young keeper. I thought he was uh, mm-hmm. all-round game was pretty decent. Alan Barnett asks, "What are the financial implications if we don't get promoted?" Well, We're we've doomed. kind of covered that. We're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's why uh, we are naming rights the training ground, so that provides us a way to at least you know. Uh, Cover our asses on the wage bill. And we'll probably also... have naming
6: rights for Agbanahor's next child. It will get to that sort of level. Of... <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. But as we've we've kind of covered this through this long show, uh, that in terms of the financial uh, implications of not getting promoted. But in short, the conclusion is obviously with the naming rights, they've taken a step to kind of counter the lack of uh, parachute payments and the wage bill that we're which is currently noosed around our neck. But as I said, best chance for promotion is now and not next season. That's it. Right. (laughs) Make sure uh, you're subscribed to the show because you will be getting updates now and notifications that it is actually uh, in circulation and uh, there are new shows. So it's worth being subscribed. Maybe it hasn't been worth being subscribed over the last couple of weeks, but... Change is a coming. Also, if you want to support the show and keep quality, independent content happening, please do become a patron. Uh, Do visit the myoldmansaid.com website and uh, help support the website. Uh, There soon will be a support button on the website where you can press it, and that will give you various ways that you can uh, help keep this alive amongst the swamp of clickbait and vanilla content out there. Not Villa, vanilla. Anyway, until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye.
6: My old
2: man said... We'll have Codger and Hogan up front, more than likely, whether that's enough. I mean, obviously both of them can't seem to play together because one of them refuses (laughs) to pass and the other one never touches the ball. What a combo. (laughs) So, you know, good luck with that combo. (laughs)